what you do at Inatech is you take the specifications from the customers and you bring them down to the software engineers. Yes, y yes, that's, that's right. Well, then I just have to ask, why couldn't the customers just take them directly to the, to the software people, huh? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, because engineers are not good at dealing with customers. So, you physically take the specs from the customer? Well, no, my, my secretary does that, or the facts. So then you must physically bring them to the software people? Well, no. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Uh, what, what would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? the zero to 100 podcast i'm your host william c walker jr happy thanksgiving i am posting this episode today on thanksgiving hope you guys are having a good time being around your families enjoying some good food hopefully some good football and by that i mean a cowboys win so in this episode i have two guests i'm joined by my sister kenya my brother Corey, and we discuss uh food in fact the initial aspect of this uh episode was actually going to be food based it was going to be centered around food plant-based foods in particular because there was a challenge that me and my brothers um and, and my sister under 
like uh, undertook to compare something. Um, so I'll let you guys hear that in our first part of our conversation. Wanted to get my brother Ricky on. Unfortunately, I couldn't um, touch base with him. He's busy with his job and everything. But I know I'm gonna have him on again uh, in the near future. So. Uh, also, there was a huge football game this past weekend with the Dallas Cowboys playing the New England Patriots. Unfortunately, the Cowboys came up short, like they've often done this season versus really good teams. <clears throat> so, I get into that with my brother Corey, where we have a lengthy conversation about the Cowboys, how we feel about them, uh, especially uh, the coaching staff, in particular, Jason Garrett. You guys, if you've listened to my podcast, you know my feelings on him. And since it's Thanksgiving, I'm going to be also sharing some of my um, Cowboys Thanksgiving memories. Uh, you know, that has always been a tradition uh, for me. Like one, when you're a Cowboys fan, you know they play on Thanksgiving. You absolutely positively look forward to seeing that game and you always hope it's going to be a win. Uh, in fact, under Jason Garrett, they are actually four and five on Thanksgiving, which actually doesn't shock me. Uh, in the 10 years that he's been the coach, they're, they're four and five. So they're like right at 500, which is pretty much on par for Jason Garrett. Um, anyway, so hopefully I will be celebrating a Cowboys win this Thanksgiving, but we shall see. Um, also, I have a, you know, discussion with my brothers my brother and sister about our favorite thanksgiving food so strap in it's a thanksgiving meal sized episode so i hope you guys enjoy it listen to it while you're traveling back home over the road or flying or whatever and thanks for supporting this is uh the zero to 100 podcast happy thanksgiving This is the Zero to 100 podcast, and I am joined by my two guests. I have my sister, Kenya. Great. And I have my brother, Corey. Hello. All right. Excellent. It worked. It worked. (laughs) I was doing something different uh, in trying to call people. So I I think this might be a, a good like this might work out best because you guys can hear me pretty clear. Yeah. I don't sound muffled. Nope. Okay. Well, All right. Good. So I had you guys on because uh, I wanted to talk food in particular. I gave you a challenge. Uh, I did the challenge myself as well. Uh, it was to try. An Impossible Whopper, which was made out of the Impossible Burger, versus a real Whopper, and see if you guys could tell the difference or which one did you like better. I took the challenge. You guys took the challenge. So I'm curious as what were your results? Starting with you, Kenya, what did you think? Well, I went out to lunch with Mr. Steph, and actually both of us did it. Um... I bit out of the uh, Impossible Whopper, and I I thought it was good. And actually, before I even tasted uh, a real Whopper right next to it, I couldn't tell the difference. But then I bit the real Whopper, 
that had real meat, and I could actually tell the difference. And my preference was actually the uh, real meat burger. Now, I did enjoy the Impossible Whopper. It's good, but I can tell the difference, and I actually like the real meat better. Okay, so you, you said you could tell the difference, and you liked the uh, Impossible Whopper. Wait, no, I'm sorry. You liked the real Whopper better. Yes. The Impossible Whopper is not nasty. Um, it's just that I think that I like the real meat better. The Impossible Whopper was delicious, and I had been, uh, you know, eating the Impossible Whopper um, before I tasted it right next to each other. And the only time that I made the uh, call was when I bit them right next to each other. Now, it was too much food to eat all at once, so I didn't eat it all. Mm-hmm. But I definitely could tell the difference. Possible, Impossible Whopper is good, but a real beef burger is better. Now, did you do like a blind taste test, or did you look at it and you knew initially, like, as soon as you was eating it? I knew. I was eating it. I didn't know that you wanted me to do a blind taste test. Yeah, I didn't specify that. I just wish I, because even when I did it, I wish I did a blind taste test because um, when I, well, you know, I'll get to what my results were. But so, Corey, you did it. What were your reactions? Pretty much the same as Kenya's, except I ate the Riddle Whopper first and, um, you know, it was, I, and I hadn't, I hadn't been to Burger King in, uh, I don't even know how long, so I don't even remember the last time I had a Whopper. But, so I ate the Whopper first, and I should have eaten half, like did half and half, because mm-hmm. I ate the whole Whopper, and it was good, and then I, <laughs> and then I ate maybe half of the Impossible Whopper, but I was just like, it wasn't as, the Impossible Whopper, it wasn't as good as the real thing. Like, I felt like it was mushy. Um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but I, I prefer the regular Whopper. Um, and also, and the other thing, the interesting thing is, like, I think a few days before I went to Friday's for lunch, and I got the Beyond Meat, whatever their Beyond Burger is, and mm-hmm. that was, now that would have been, like, I like the Beyond Burger better than the Impossible Whopper, and that, like, when I ate it at lunch, I was like, this almost tastes like beef. Like, that that was really good. And I don't know if it's, like, the quality in restaurants, like a sit-down place versus a fast food place, th- if that made... Um, that definitely makes a difference. But, um, well, but yeah. For me, Corey... I had been eating the Impossible Whopper before because I just wanted to eat an Impossible Whopper. And before I tasted it right next to the real Whopper, I was like, oh, it tastes like a real Whopper. And it wasn't mushy or anything either. Um, I've also purchased the Beyond Meat in stores. And I've had the um, Cheesecake Factory Impossible uh, Burger. And it was it was fantastic. I do want to say that these uh, plant-based meats do make you go to the bathroom. <laughs> Did um <laughs> hold hold on one sec. Who's who's drinking something in the background? No, that was me. I was making pasta for the kids. Oh, okay. I was like, somebody's drinking something. Yeah. Anyway, all right. It, um, so I wish I did a blind taste test because it's like, yeah. When I first, I mean, I've I've had 
the Impossible Burger before. I've also had the Beyond Meat Burger. Um, I do think for sure there's a difference in terms of where you get have it prepared because the first time I had the Impossible Burger was actually at Wahlburgers, and I swore up and down it was meat, and I've made the Impossible Burger myself on a barbecue grill, and it tastes like meat to me. But anyway, um, when I first tasted it, uh, it initially, like, I could tell, like, from the look of it, I could tell which was which. But when I first tasted them, they tasted very similar to me. Like, it was hard for me to differentiate the the uh, the taste of it. And, um, in fact, like, when I was telling Chalet, I was like, I actually think I like the Impossible Whopper better it was just something about the way it tasted and i think that depending on where you get it sometimes it's not uniform on how they prepare it like uh at the burger kings but it it did taste like like it tastes like real meat and that's the other thing like i, I said to chalet i'm not gonna be shocked when the expose comes out and they find out that these uh uh plant-based burgers is r- just made out of real meat and it is just telling people, like, I'm like, <laughs> so I go right out there, like Charleston Heston and Soylent Green, and be like, it's real meat. <laughs> um, actually, Billy, Steph likes the plant based burger better, too, than the real meat. It just, I don't I know. Think that's weird. It, it tastes like meat to me. And, um, like, I mean, it's funny because I know that. Um, the Impossible Burger, like, we had bought, like, a, a pack of it from uh, up at uh, Pine Forge because they were selling it in their um, in their uh, store. And it's, like, it was super expensive, but you get, like, this huge block of it, and it comes, like, a, a real block of meat, like, as if you was buying ground beef or whatever. And, like, I made, uh, I made burgers out of it. It tastes like meat. I made, I put it, I think I put it in, like, uh, spaghetti and and stuff like that but it was funny because chalet's mom who's vegan she was like she hated it because it tastes like meat and she's like ew she's like i don't like that because she's so used to eating vegetarian meat that does not taste like meat at all so then she tasted this and she's like that tastes i think that is meat and because she's never it didn't taste like any vegetarian meat that she's ever had so um do you with how close it is, could you guys ever see yourselves going vegan or not eating? No. <laughs> Good no, God. I don't like chicken too much to ever go vegan. <laughs> you know, I was talking with one of my coworkers who had gone to the state fair here, and she said she's not eating meat anymore because she went to the state fair. And she was telling me to watch some show on Netflix, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I, too, like chicken way too much to stop this and be a vegetarian. The show... I, eat, um, I think today I didn't have any meat because for lunch I had these mashed potatoes from Harris Teeter, which were delicious. Then um, I came home and had a salad with imitation crab meat. Is that real meat? That's... Have some meat. No, yeah, it's fish. It's fish. So, I mean, it, it is real meat, but it's it's fish. Yeah. But it was it was good. Um, but I've been cutting back on, well, I don't eat a lot of red meat anyway. 
Yeah. And we have given lots of shout outs to different stores. I think we didn't mention Wahlburgers, Harris Teeter, uh, Burger King. Yeah, they need to give they me an endorsement. I know. But um the 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 documentary on Netflix probably that your friend wanted you to watch that would keep you from eating meat is probably What's the Health, which um I've mentioned it like on here before because Shalay was like I need to uh she says I need to finish it. I, I started it. It's it's not a bad documentary, but it's interesting because it's not about keeping you from eating meat, it's really just about being mindful of what you put into your body and how what you eat literally affects your health and how um, there's misperceptions of what causes certain diseases when it's really all about what you're eating and how you can reverse that from just the stuff that you choose to eat. So it, it is a good documentary. I mean, if if the reality of it is, even when I watched it, I still was like, okay, yeah, I still love cheese and I still love chicken, so I'm, I'm still probably going to eat meat. But I do cut back, and I have gone, like, weeks without eating meat, and I've gone vegan for a week, and I really like the way I feel when I do it. Like, I literally feel really better. So it's like, I'm not saying you, you should give it up, but I, I will put a challenge to you to give it a shot on going a week without eating meat and going vegan and seeing how you feel and I, you'll feel you'll feel different it re, you really do notice it but I think and the other cool, I think I eat chicken every other day uh, I think the other cool thing about it though especially I don't know if you guys notice it but veganism and eating plant-based stuff is more prevalent now like you have way more options now than what you used to have it's almost like it's like i don't want to call it like a fad or like a show a fashion trend kind of thing but that is what it feels like to me where it's like that's what it feels like to me too yeah i mean there's more restaurants now that do it there's like uh chalet was just telling me that uh down in atlanta kfc is um trying to they're gonna use the beyond uh meat chicken to put that no. for different options. I've yeah. had that. That's actually not bad. I saw, I saw, a, I saw a billboard uh, on 76. I don't know if it's still there, but apparently, I guess, Dunkin' Donuts has a Beyond Meat uh, yeah. breakfast sausage yep. that, that they're doing. Yeah, Hardy so. has it down here. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've had the Beyond Meat sausage um, from, uh, I've gotten it from Whole Foods. That tastes like real sausage to me. Like, it tastes like Italian sausage to me, like turkey sausage. And I'll be like, this, I'm telling you, they going to come out and it's going to be like, y'all thought it was plant-based. We got you. It's meat. Because vegetarians don't know no better. Like, they just like, oh, well, it's not. They don't know any difference. I'm telling you. But anyway, um, also, while I have you guys, another food item that I would like to discuss with you, and it's not necessarily um, plant-based. Well, actually, it's not plant-based. Another food option that I wanted to discuss with you guys is not plant-based, but I wanted to get your takes on it because I think we've all tried it, and I have my feelings on it. The Popeye's Chicken Sandwich. Oh, God, Black Jesus. <laughs> First off, I'm... 
I'm going to say this. It's overrated. Is it a good chicken sandwich? Yes, I think it is a very good chicken sandwich. But is it worth stabbing somebody in a line for, getting in a fist fight over it, lining up down the block, standing in line for over an hour for it? Absolutely not. And y'all is tripping. But that's just my thoughts. Uh, I guess I, I have to have a, a disclaimer because I, I didn't get it fresh. Like, Dad, I guess, bought an extra one and it sat around the house for a day. And so I had it <laughs> at night. So I, so I had a reheated Popeye's chicken sandwich and it was just okay. I think it's the uh, the bun more than anything. But, um, uh, but yeah, that was just my thing. So I, I, I haven't had it fresh from the. Uh, the store or whatever. Well, I bought a Popeye chicken sandwich at the same time I bought a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich mm -hmm. <laughs> because this is what I do. I eat stuff and uh, I agree with Billy. It's overrated. People are dying over this chicken sandwich. Yeah, it's stupid. People down yeah, that's crazy. Not and, sad, and it's been on the news several times. The and I'm like, why? That's it's not crazy. that good. It's food. <laughs> it People doesn't... are acting insane over food. It's it doesn't make a lick of sense. And I mean, like I got um it, I got it when it was early or like right before it blew up. And I bought one for myself, like right as it was just starting to blow up. I bought one for me and one for Chalet. And the only thing that I noticed, like we both looked at it, we noticed that okay, it's bigger than Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich, but that's the only thing it, it has. Genetically on. modified. And that's what I'm about to say. It, it's probably GMO chicken because it's like, it's just bigger. That's the only thing. And um, it was like when we we, we had went to go see Samaya when uh, she was going uh, to her first day of college and we, you know, saw her at her dorm. We went to Burger King afterwards. And, man, I'll tell you, Burger King needed to give me some money. But anyway, um, we got the chicken sandwich from Burger King, and Chalet had never had it before. I've had the chicken sandwich from Burger King before. And that's the funny thing, because nobody is talking about Burger King's chicken sandwich, and it's freaking good. It's really good. I would say it's better than Popeye's chicken sandwich. And so... Well, it's, here's the thing. Popeye's and Chick-fil-A don't put anything on their chicken sandwich. Yeah. Like, I don't want a chicken sandwich with just some pickles. And stuff on it. I want some lettuce, tomatoes, yes. all that. That's why I give the edge to Burger King chicken sandwich. Because one, the chicken is crispy and it's good. It also comes on a brioche bun, just like Popeye's chicken sandwich. Everybody, it's on a brioche bun. I'm like, yeah, a uh, lot yeah, of places. I was going to say, I thought, like, the, the only edge Popeye's over Chick-fil-A is the bun, but... I didn't know Burger King had a, had a yes. sandwich on a brioche bun. Yes, it comes bun. on a brioche bun. It comes with lettuce and tomato, and it's really good. It's a good chicken sandwich, but I'm like, don't nobody be talking about it. And I almost feel like, all right, so let me ask you this. Do you feel like Popeye's purposely, like, understocked their chicken sandwich so they could create this massive demand and yeah. then be like look it's sold out yeah. is this or do you feel like this was just a limited time thing and they didn't expect people to go crazy over it like just like how disney plus was a little surprised by the the 
the amount of demand that they got from their service. Like, do you think that Chick-fil-A was just like, this is a limited time thing, we're going to do it. Then people went nuts over it, and it was, oh, I mean, I heard, I heard somewhere that they had intended for it to be, I think, like a seven-week promotion or something like that, and then it sold out in like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But my thought is, it's just buns and chicken breasts. Mm-hmm. You know, make chicken. <laughs> like, how is it that you ran out of these sandwiches? That also makes me think it's some old, weird, genetically modified mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. a chicken restaurant. How you run out of chicken and buns? Like, <laughs> because it's a publicity stunt. That's how. They sent yeah. everybody a hundred pieces of meat and a hundred buns. I just, I feel like that's my thing. I almost feel like that is what they're doing because it's almost like you go to the store and you didn't wait in line and then you get to the front and you be like, oh, we didn't sold our chicken sandwiches. And then you just go, well, I'm already here. I might as well get some chicken. But I'm like, I just find it ridiculous. I, and it, oh, it, uh, it does make me go like, well, what are you doing? Like, if... Oh. And just so you know, I think that the Chick-fil-A sandwich is better seasoned than the Popeye sandwich. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't think, the Popeye's chicken sandwich is overrated. It's overrated. I, I, I won't, I mean, I know I have a, a tendency to, like, if something is getting an immense amount of hype, like, sometimes I'll go, oh, that's just, I don't get it. But no, sometimes the hype just doesn't fit to the thing like it doesn't fit with what you're hyping like i just don't i just think the sandwich is overrated it's it's a good chicken sandwich but it's like i'm not gonna sit there and be like um i'm definitely like not fighting somebody for it and i sure as heck ain't killing somebody for a chicken sandwich that's just crazy agreement we're in agreement all right so that's the first part of my food conversation with my sister Kenya and my brother Corey. So this came about really because of how prevalent the plant-based um, meats are becoming. And I, I remember the first time, like I said, the first time I ever had an Impossible Burger was actually at Wahlburgers. It was fantastic. And I kept asking the waiter, like, you guys are lying. This is not plant-based. This is real meat because it tastes like a real burger. And the reason I included the Soylent Green clip is because I swear, I'm telling you, I feel like it's going to come out, it's going to be exposed, like, it's not plant-based, it's meat, it's real meat. So, (laughs) um, but it it was really good, and I wish I, like I said, I wish I did a blind taste test. I implore you to actually try it. It's actually really good. Um, Now, it did come out that, even though it is plant-based and plants, I think, is more healthy than eating meat. Um, however, they they came out with a study with the amount of sodium and fat that is actually in these plant-based burgers. You're pretty much eating the same calorie intake, if not more so, of than a regular burger. Uh, except for I think it's even more sodium with the plant base. So you still need to be mindful of it and be careful with it. But uh, also, that Popeye's chicken sandwich, like I said, it's good. It's a good sandwich, but like I said, I feel like it's a bit overrated because I don't think it's better than Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich or 
you really need to try the crispy chicken sandwich from Burger King because I don't understand how they didn't go hard on marketing their thing, but maybe it's this age of stuff going viral and that plays into what has made the Popeye's chicken sandwich so popular and everything. Um, so, but it's not as, it, it's not worth getting injured over. I'm just going to say that. Like, well, actually, no food is. It's absolutely crazy. And it kind of scares me to, like, if there ever is a food shortage, if there ever is, like, something that is, is being rationed out, how nuts society will go if it is in that dire situation. But this is not to be a downer. This is an uplifting episode because it's Thanksgiving. And the next part of the podcast is actually me and my brother Corey talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the past game where they lost to the New England Patriots 13-9. I'm incredibly irritated. I'm still frustrated, even though it's now Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to watching the Cowboys play the Bills today. Um, I'm still frustrated. So, without further ado, this is me and my brother Corey. We're talking Cowboys. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. Let's go! This is the Zero to 100 podcast, and I'm once again joined... By my brother Corey, <clears throat> what's up, Corey? Hey, what's up? So, happy Thanksgiving. yes, happy Thanksgiving. So, tomorrow the Cowboys play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have an eight and three record, and sadly, the Cowboys have yet to beat a team with a winning record, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, I, like I said to you before, and this, I mean, this is a couple of days after the fact, and I'm still pretty angry about the loss to the Patriots. Like I, I was more, I don't, I mean, yeah, no, I'm angry. I was more angry and frustrated off of that loss than the Jets loss. Like the Jets loss was ridiculous because you shouldn't lose to the Jets, but you was losing that game 21 to three at one point. So you really had no business coming back and winning that game anyway. But the Patriots game, like you, you couldn't I, watching that game. You couldn't say that the Patriots have a better team than the Cowboys to me. It was, it was interesting. Like uh, I, after the game and stuff, reading things and looking at stuff like this, I guess tweeted during the game, that the Cowboys have the better players, but New England has the better coaches and game plan. And it was like, that was clear. And then I read this article that was saying that uh, it, it was kind of funny how they termed it. It was, it was saying like Bill Belichick, like the, the, the key to the Patriots' success is just coaches, uh, you know, just melting down in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you look back at New England, like when, when they won, you would always look at the, their teams and say, oh, man, they're not that really good. They barely winning games. Like, they just – but it's that they do enough. And uh, I can't I – I think it might have been Tony Kornheiser or somebody I was listening to saying, like, you know, it was some, some morning show or whatever. But it was saying, like, the Patriots do whatever is necessary mm-hmm. to win. Like, they change their game plan from week to week. Um, they focus on little things. Whereas other teams will say, well, we're going to do what we do. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. Like the Falcons in the Super Bowl, like, you know, instead of trying to run the ball and run the clock out, they're like, well, we're going to throw because this is what we do. Yeah. This is what got us here. Whereas the Patriots are smart enough to say, okay, this is the game situation. This is who we're going against. This is the, you know, 
the best way to our success. Yeah. And it just shows that, like, from Bill Belichick on down, <laughs> that their players are just smarter and more well-prepared than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and it was clearly on display up against Dallas, you know, um, where it's just like, it, it, it just makes no sense. Uh, the coaches, they never seem to make the right call in those crucial moments. Yes. And, and it's clear, like, with Jason Garrett and, and his coaching staff, that if everything doesn't go according to plan A, they have no answer. They can't adjust or figure it out. And, and you know, you can look at these games or whatever, uh, but, but it, like, all the games up against good teams – or all their losses, I should say, where it's like they get off to a slow start, then they fall behind, and then they somehow like come back to make it look closer or a little better than it was. Where it's just like, don't fall behind in the first place. Especially yeah. up against, like I the, guess. The, 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 from the Packers game to the Vikings yeah. game to this Patriots game, where it's just like, you know, if you do a few things here and there, you know, it would be different, and it's stuff that's kind of, it seems obvious. Um, that's the thing. You know, where I'm sorry, yeah. yeah that's the thing that no, that, that that is frustrating me more than anything. It's like every game this season, even the games that they've won, they've started all slow. The only game they didn't start all slow was the Eagles game. Like that was the only game, and that was because the Eagles started off slow, and. Like, they turned the ball over at the beginning of the game and, and the Cowboys capitalized yeah. on it and they just never let up. Like, I, I'll say that, like, this team is built more so to me to be a front-running team. Like, mm-hmm. if if they get on top early, they'll stay on top, but that's the problem. They don't get on top early. They're always, like, because even the games they've won, like, when they played Miami, they was losing at one point versus Miami. In the first half, like, they, you know, Detroit, they was losing at one point. It's like every game they didn't play, they'll they'll be losing. So that's why it, you know, it didn't bother me that much. Like, I'm so used to it now because, like, even when they was down 10-0 to the Patriots, I wasn't that bothered by it because I'm like, okay, well, this is just typical. And, yeah, the problem with Jason Garrett's teams in general is, like you said, if everything has to be perfect, everything has to go according to plan, because if he throws a monkey wrench in there, he, he can't make an adjustment. Like, we didn't see what his teams look like if somebody significant is injured. Like, they don't have any, like, it's like, oh, what do we do? We we, we can't win. We are starting left tackles out. What, what are we supposed to do? Uh, You know, let's just put this backup bum Chaz Green in there and watch our quarterback get sacked eight freaking times by the same guy, but uh, let's not make an adjustment to help him. Like, <clears throat> I guess I'll say this. They seem better at making some adjustments this season because they get off to really slow starts in every game. And it's like after that, you know, that's when they start to play well. So they've made some kind of adjustment as the game is going on. But that tells me that well now you suck at game planning, like your 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 initial plan is terrible, and yeah. So let's start. In fact, let's start there. You know, and talk in terms of how they don't seem to do the simple things. 
you know, everybody is, um, you know, people will point to the special teams, and that definitely played a, a, a role in, in them losing that game because that led to the only touchdown of the game, the block punt. But let's start with Jason Garrett's decision to not go for a touchdown from the New England 11 when it was 4th and 7, and he decided to kick a field goal. And <clears throat> so, like, what was your thoughts when, one, did you think he was going to go for it? Or did you, like, did you already have in your mind if they don't get the first down and touchdown, he's just going to kick a field goal? I, I hoped he went for it. I guess I didn't give much thought. Uh, but it 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 doesn't surprise me that he didn't go for it because it it, it seems that you know whatever uh, I don't know if Dallas has an analytics person or not. They it's don't. Interesting, like watching the the Monday night game, um, they talked about how Baltimore had this analytics guy who uh, can I guess give hardball numbers like mm-hmm. okay. If you go for it on this fourth down in this situation, it adds this many expected points to, you know, your total. And so it's like, so you can see that Baltimore, when they find themselves in a situation, because uh, I remember this one it was particularly noteworthy. I think they were up 21-6 or whatever it was. They was up big, and they were, they were going to punt the ball. And then they got a there was a penalty on the Rams that added five yards. So then they sent out their kicking team, but then for whatever reason they decided to send out Lamar Jackson and they and the offense went for it on fourth and four and they picked it up and then went on to score a touchdown. And so it was like stuff like that, mm-hmm. Jason Garrett would have never did that. <clears throat> but he, he like if if they was gonna punt and then they got five extra yards to make it fourth and four, he would have just sent out the kick team, or he mm-hmm. may even sent out the punt team. I, I don't know. Like, if there, there was up a bunch of scores. But, like, that that decision to go for it, I've heard some people defend it saying, oh, well, you know, if he, if he kicks the field goal, then, you know, the touchdown will win the game instead of just tying the game. And my thought is, it's like, like, whether you get the touchdown or not, like, the outcomes of the field goal is like, okay, you kick the field goal, then you kick the ball to New England, and they, you know, uh, it, get it at the 25 or whatever, if, if you get a touchback, because I guess that at that point they weren't kicking into the wind, uh, versus, you know, you, you try to go for the, the touchdown, and then it's like you tie it up. And then at that point, all you need is a field goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the field goal, you still needed to score a touchdown. So my thought is, is like the ch- like the chances of. I mean, even before the fourth down decision to kick the field goal, the problem was the two plays called before that. But yes. Just so- stick with the fourth. Let's just stick with the fourth and seven, and then we can go back to the plays before. So say you go for it and you don't get it. New England takes over at their own eleven. You know, and your defense mm-hmm. actually did their job for most of the week. So, and and you got the ball back, even kicking off to them. So, you pin them deep. You're definitely going to get the ball back. They're punting into the wind. Yes. So you're most likely going to get the ball, you know, somewhere near the fifty. Yeah. If not on your side of the field, 
So it was like the, trying to get the touchdown from there to tie it up is much easier than having to drive the length of the field to get that's a touchdown what, to, to <clears throat> win the game. And that's my thing. So, like, going back to what you said, like, when you were pointing out how Jim Harbaugh has a – or uh, John Harbaugh – Coach of the Ravens has a dude on the side for analytics. So they they asked Jason Garrett some like the, uh, for his press conference after the New England game. And I'm gonna be paraphrasing a little bit, um, <clears throat> but they asked him like, "Do you have you know they they noted how the Ravens guy has an analytics person? Like, does the Cowboys have anybody like analytics?" And so Jason Garrett pretty much said, <clears throat> "Yeah, we don't really look at that stuff. Um, like, we don't even really go off of that." We don't have an analytics person. We don't even look at it. And my thought is, I'm like I'm in the middle on analytics. I don't have a problem. Like the game, mm-hmm. more people, you know, like they'll know Doug Peterson how he'll use all four downs to try to get ten yards as opposed to just conceding that you're going to punt on third down. And I, it's almost like I wish people played it more like Madden because when you do it like that. That comes to your your um, it changes your strategy and so, but to me for you to admit that oh yeah we don't even look at it and the reason why I'm middle on the road on analytics anyways because analytics doesn't take into account like uh, sure the numbers might say oh you should go for it but the numbers don't take into account that your starting left tackle is out and the numbers don't take into account that you're in the middle of a rainstorm and your quarterback can't really grip the ball that great. And so it's, you know, that's why I'll be middle on the road. But, yeah, it's like the percentage of it, regardless to me, didn't go up one way or the other for you kicking a field goal. And it was stupid because you were going to need a touchdown regardless. And so it's like, you know, one person that was saying, oh, it's not the end all, you know, he he was taking the other side of it. He was saying he didn't have a problem with it. And he was saying because, well, if you get the touchdown and you're getting the ball back, then the touchdown is to win the game and not just tie it or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but let's say you got the touchdown there and then you kicked off. Chances are you're going to get the ball back. And then once you get the ball back, you kicking a field goal to try to win the game instead of trying to get a touchdown. So, exactly. you, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> but yeah, let's talk about also – about the um, the the choice of play caller in that sequence because that was the other thing they asked him. Did you say to Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore is the one that's calling the plays and they asked him, "Do you overrule Kellen Moore when he's calling the plays?" And he was like, "You know, I discuss things with him, but I don't really intercede or I don't really take over." Which I'm sitting there like, "But you're the head coach. Like, if what you want." Yeah, what do you what do? What do you do as a head coach? <clears throat> exactly. You're not running the defense. You're not calling plays. Yeah. So are you, are you basically just deciding when to challenge and when to call timeout? Exactly. It's like it's like it's it's like the uh, the scene from uh, Office Space where they, when they talking to the guy who is like, oh, "What's your job?" and he was explaining their job, and they're like, "Well, why can't this guy just do it?" And then he's like, "Well, no." He's like, "Sometimes he's like, you know, I get the plans to the." The engineers, and then he's like, "Well, why can't the customers just talk to the engineers?" Well, because the engineers don't want to talk to customers. He's like, "So okay, so you physically take the plans to the engineers?" They're like, "Well, no, my secretary does that." They're like, what do you do? <laughs> it's like that's one thing. Like with Jason Gary, like, what do you do here? And so they asked him, 
well, they said, well, in that sequence, do you, did you tell Kellen Moore? Because my mindset was, it's four down territory. And so they asked Jason exactly. Garrett, they said, did you tell Kellen Moore it was four down territory? And he said, no, because we like to try to get the first down in three plays, and I didn't want to change his way of calling the plays. So I let him call the plays that's going to try to get us the first down in three plays. Now, here's my thing. One, that's retarded. Like, that's just flat-out stupid. Well, yes, it is going to change how he, he does it. But may, guess what? Maybe you should change how he he does it because he's going to say the reason he didn't go for it on fourth and seven was because it wasn't a manageable down to him. And if it was a little bit more manageable, then they probably would have went for it. Okay, dummy. Well, here's the thing. If you told your offense coordinator, hey, you got four plays to get me ten yards because that's the key. It wasn't third and goal or fourth and goal. They still could have got a freaking first down to then get even more chances to get in the end zone. So when it's second and seven from the eleven yard line, uh Yeah, if you know you got three more plays, then you basically just need two and a half yards of play to pick up the first down. Yeah. And you have a running back who's averaging over four yards of carry and a defense that while it's good as shutting down the pass is not good against the run. Like, exactly. The Patriots had, going into that game, they had the tenth ranked rush defense. Now this is a team that's been blown, that's been dominating, been up on teams. So that means that they're probably facing more passing plays than run yes. plays. So even though they're facing fewer run plays, they're still number ten uh, up against the run. And so that, that I think that's more attributed to the fact that teams weren't running on them. Exactly. Than, them having a good run defense. Exactly. If you look at the, the the game up against Baltimore, the game against the Browns, like if if Nick Chubb didn't fumble them those balls those times, they might have lost to the Browns in that game. Exactly. You know? And so it's just like you have to know, you should know going into the game, this is a Zeke game. Yes. This is what we paid him the money for. It's rainy. It's cold. They don't have a great run defense. This is a Zeke game. Let's feed Zeke. And it's clear that they didn't go into the game thinking that. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. Like, this is the issue I have. It, it's like, it's not rocket science. Like, I was talking with Dad about this, and he was saying, you. he was like, in the Minnesota game, it's, like, it's almost like the Cowboys coaching staff heard the criticism from the Minnesota game and where everybody was upset. <clears throat> That they didn't like they they tried to run the ball to Zeke on third and two, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. and they didn't get the first down, and so then they had to and then they ran a um like a out and tried to pass it to Zeke on fourth and two, which just I mean I I didn't have a problem with them passing on fourth and two, but it was like you shouldn't have had fourth and five, but yeah, oh yeah that's right I'm sorry fourth and five. They Ran on second and two for no yards. Yes. Then ran on third, third and, and two, two for a three yard for, loss. Yeah, for a three yard and loss. Then and then tried to pass on fourth and five. five. That's right. Yeah. So it was like, so everybody was mad, like, well, why didn't you pass on the third and two? And my thought was, that's a different scenario. The whole game, exactly. Minnesota was keying on the run and they were shutting your run down and you was passing all over them. So, yes, yeah. you should pass. On second, on third down and two, especially when you just ran it on second and two and got nothing. Like, 
Because it was like they yep. ran the exact same play, but to the opposite side. Like, oh, look, we run it to the opposite side behind Connor Williams, which is one of the weak links on the offensive line. So why look at that. Like, no, that didn't work, dummies. So then, but they heard that criticism. And so then they came back and was like, well, everybody was complaining about why was we running the ball on third and short or whatever in short. So let's pass. We got pass. Let's pass. Dude, he was averaging four and a half yards a carry that game. Even if you if you gave it to him on second and, and seven, let's say he got four yards. Let's say he got three yards. Guess what? Okay, now I'm looking at third and four. Third and four, yeah. Like, I mean, what the, and then if I guess, let's guess what? If I got four downs, let's say I give him the ball again. Let's say he get two yards. Let's say he get three yards. Well, now I'm looking at fourth and one. And then... I got the whole playbook to try to get there. I could go play action. I could go bootleg. I could go read option. I could go quarterback draw. It's, it's just, it, it don't, it, it, I guess that's the thing that, like, you know, all right, so that's the one thing that ticked me off. The other thing, so after the game, you know, Jerry Jones was the most um, pointed with his criticisms. Like, he was really, like, in the previous games, like, when they lost to the, the Saints, he would make, uh, comments like he would really praise Sean Payton and the coaching staff and their game plan, but he would go out of his way to praise them. But he wouldn't, you know, people took that as, oh, he's taking a shot at Jason Garrett and the coaching because they got out coach, which we all knew. And then with Minnesota, he was praising Mike Zimmer. But in this game, he flat out was saying with the special team mistakes, like freaking Tony Pollard sitting back in the end zone when New England's kicking into the wind at every time they kick it it's being kicked short even though the Patriots always kick short it, it wasn't even the win like they always kick short because they know and it's like you said like you pointed out it's the little things they know that if I kick it to the one there's a greater chance for them to be stopped at the 20 as opposed to if I kick it for a touchback yeah, they, 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 they've been doing that since they, uh, they moved the kickoff up yes like since they changed that rule the Patriots have been like, you know, why would I kick it through the end zone and give them the ball at the 25 when I can just kick it a little bit short and there's a good chance that they don't even make it to the 20. Exactly. Like those, those are just like the extra yards that adds up. Exactly. And, and, and it's a, a simple thing. And it's like even more obvious in this game when they're kicking into the wind and the ball isn't even getting to the 20-yard the line. Yes. And so, like, Troy Aikman during the game called out. He was like, that's coaching. Like, why is he back on the line? And and that's true. And so Jerry Jones came out and was saying that, you know, the special teams and the little gaps, like, that's that's coaching. And that's, you know, it's the fundamentals. And, he, he you know, he has said that there's too much with this personnel, I shouldn't be this frustrated. And it's happening too many times. And, and I'm like – that's the common freaking sense thing to me, and that's why I hate Jason Garrett so much because he coaches not to lose, and when yep. he does that, he, he's been doing it for years. Yes, it's it's right, like right, I can't remember, sure. I can't remember who said it, but somebody said he coaches like a backup quarterback, which is what he was, <laughs> and and that's the reality. Yeah. Like a backup quarterback goes into a game thinking. Just like, don't. Let me just not. Let me just not be the reason we lose. Exactly. Let me not screw it up. Let me not screw it up. So I'm not gonna take any risks. And you know, Belichick, like what he said 
you know, when they was talking to him in his press conference after the game, like during the week, he was talking about how how important that first punt block was because, like, when they put that pressure on him and they got that block punt and, you know, they have a guy who makes the Pro Bowl for them, like, several times. Um, his his He doesn't even have a position. He's just on the special yeah, team. Slater, yeah. Like, he's listed as a wide receiver, but he's basically just a – yeah. Special teams player. Yeah. Like goes to the Pro Bowl like every year. And so it's like he his only job is to do what he did and block like block punch or something like that. And so he said that was important because it really affects you affects them throughout the rest of the game. And that goes to where it was like third <clears throat> it, it was in the third quarter. Cowboys had got kind of deep into the territory, but they couldn't get a first down. And I think it was because Tyron Smith had like a holding call that negated a, a first down or something. And so they um, were going to pin them deep. But they got a delay a game. And the reason they got a delay a game was because New England didn't put anybody out there to return the kick. And it looked like they was calling on a full-on rush to try to block the punt again. And Dallas had a gunner completely uncovered. Now, they didn't know what to do. So instead of, like, you know, just punting the ball, like, because my thought is, if you're that scared, just punt it. Like, just, you know, pull the guy in or just hurry up and punt it, and then you could probably pin him deep because there's nobody back there to catch it. So, <clears throat> or most good teams would say, hey, look, that gunner's completely uncovered. Throw the ball to him. Like, it, it, yeah. it's just like that's and, and, they, and <clears throat> Chris Jones I, I can't remember if he's thrown on their face I feel like he usually runs but either way I, I, I can't remember like what the um, the, the distance was like, he threw was, like, once he, and long. I remember he threw once because I remember <clears throat> I remember when they was playing Atlanta he threw a pass to Bryce Butler for a first down and it got called back because uh-huh. they called offensive pass interference on Bryce Butler um, but so point so is, do you remember like how many yards they had to go on their I think it was, I think it was ten yards. But uh, okay. the thing is, he was completely uncovered, and there was nobody yeah. back. So yeah. there's actually like a chance if you had actually thrown him the ball, chances are he was at least gonna pick up the first down. More than likely, he was gonna score. <clears throat> but it, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, <clears throat> man, I'm sorry. It, it's like the thing that kills me is like those are little detailed things, but it, it messed them up. So then they backed them up five yards. Then they had an illegal formation that backed them up even more. And like you know, Troy Aikman was on the um, the morning show uh, this week down in Dallas, and he was sitting there like. They flipped, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, they're going to flip field position at least. And then it's like, well, they got field position flipped on them. And I think that led to a New England field goal where they got three points that made it 13 to to 10. So it's like, that's the thing that just drives me crazy. Um, What was the other thing I wanted to, to talk about? So here's my concern because, and they brought this up in the, in the stations down in Dallas that I listen to all the time, they're like, do you almost have a fear that, let's say the Cowboys, you know, win a division, they get in the playoffs, and 
Jerry Jones looks at it and he goes, well, we won a division three out of four years and, you know, we repeated the division. We'll be the first, you know, team in the division to repeat uh, winning the division. And, you know, it was really special teams. Special teams is a real problem. Let's just fire this special teams coach and keep Jason Garrett. Do you have that fear or that concern that they'll, like, try to scapegoat it? Like, when they went 8-8 eight and eight that third straight season, then they was like, oh, it was the defense's fault. And they fired Rob Ryan. Like, that was the reason why Jason Garrett didn't go on 8-8 eight eight mm. for a third straight year. I didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> think of that because my thought is if they don't make it to at least the NFC Championship, then Jason Garrett is out. Like, but yeah. that actually – that actually makes sense because I remember a while back, I think it was, it was probably the beginning of the season, Jason Lockett Ford was on a podcast and he was saying, because I guess they put it to him like, you know, well, you think Jason Garrett will be fired. This is before the season or maybe even like the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you know, like what other coach is, is, is going to uh, sign up to be emasculated by their owner in the press conference after the game. <laughs> so it was like, he was just like, Jerry's not going to fire Jason because he is like, he has his own personal whipping boy. Like he can, you know, uh, call in on coaches meetings and, and, and uh, like straight. I'm just like, he basically just blamed coaching for that loss and, and talked about the, the coach is not doing a good job. Like I shouldn't be this frustrated with the talent I got. So it was just like, my thought is, is like, if I was Jason Garrett, I would just resign. Like, if you think, because then that's the other thing people are saying, like, oh, what well, the Giants might be interested in. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, whatever, my whatever. goodness. Well, Yo. I'm like, if I'm Jason Garrett, resign. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there. Why are you sitting here taking this? I heard right that. Here? You don't yeah. have any pride? I don't know where that came from, but I heard that, and they talked about that down there, too, um, that. The Giants supposedly, if if you know Jason Garrett get fired, then he'd be a front runner for the Giants job. Man, please, I'm pre- boy. You want to talk about reason for me to want Jason Garrett to get fired? Oh my goodness! Yeah. If that means that the Giants go hire without question, please, please, yes, do it, yeah. do it now. I'm like, you ain't even got what 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 you want help with? Like the guy, the dudes on the afternoon show had me rolling. They was like, what? If, if that's serious, what? What you need help with your resume? What, what you need some good references? Because we got you. Like, I'm I'm just, this dude is, he is garbage. I mean, it, it's, the reason why, you know, I've been saying it. I've been wanting Jason Garrett going. And in, in fact, like I was talking to a coworker today. I said, I remember when Wade Phillips got fired. And Jason Garrett took over as an interim head coach. And they went, like, you know, they had started off 1-7, and seven, and then they went 5-3 um, and three the rest of the way to finish 6-10. and 10. My thought was, at that point, I was kind of upset that they went 5-3 and three because I was like, that means he'll probably give Jason Garrett a shot as head coach. And I really didn't want him to because I thought I think Jason Garrett. I, I thought part of the problem with the team that went one and seven was that the offense was bad because the offense was incredibly predictable. And yeah. it, it's, so it's like you know, first season they go eight and eight, they have a chance to win the division last game of the season, and they lose to the um, the Giants. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, okay, all right, you know, especially what was so bad about that. I remember at one point they were seven and four. And so they went 
one in uh, freaking four the rest of the way. Like, that's ridiculous. But anyway, I, so it's like eight and eight. Okay, fine. I, that's your first season. That's your first season head coach. Okay, fine. Second season, you got a chance to win the division last game of the season. You go eight and eight. You lose again. Okay, and they lost to the Eagles. I'm like, uh, all right, that's fine. You know what? I wanted them fired then. I was like, if Chan Gailey could get fired after going to the playoffs two straight years and not doing nothing, you could fire Jason Garrett. But he didn't. Okay. Third season, you go 8-8. Eight and eight. You got a chance to win the, the division again last game of the season, and you lost to the Redskins. You done lost to every team in the freaking division last game of the season. To get in the playoffs, and that was the point where I was like, "Okay, clearly you'll fire this dude," and he didn't. And it, okay, so then the next year they go twelve and four, and I'm shocked. And I, you know, that was the Dez caught it year because when they should have ruled Dez. And so then you're like, "Okay, I'm excited." And I'm like, all right, just, okay, well, maybe he finally figured it out. They finally established an identity. They're going to run the ball. But, okay, they don't re-sign DeMarco Murray. But I'm like, oh, okay, I guess it'll be all right. It doesn't matter. Tony Romo breaks his collarbone, and they go freaking 4-12. And And I'm sitting there like, I understand that it, it, it sucks or it's frustrating. You lost your starting quarterback most teams. But other teams lose starting quarterbacks. What was that running back that season? Was it Joseph Randall and McFadden? Yes. It was Joseph, Joseph yeah. Randall and Darren McFadden. That was – look, that team was hot. After Romo went down, yeah, that was hot garbage. I don't know why they didn't re-sign – well, I mean, I guess they didn't – I understand why they didn't re-sign DeMarco Murray because they had used him up, but – and they didn't want to pay him the ridiculous amount that Chip Kelly and the Eagles paid him. But um, it's just – it's like he what ticked me off I would have fired him then but then they was like oh well Romo was hurt of course they used that as the built in excuse so of course you couldn't fire him and so then you know they followed that with the next year where they got Dak and Zeke and then Romo got hurt and I remember being really pessimistic like oh crap Romo's hurt well we already know they're going to use that as the built in excuse but you go 13-3 and but you still lose your first playoff game. You had home field freaking advantage. In fact, it was the only team that had home field advantage and not make it to the conference championship. Like, that's ridiculous. And yet, he still yeah. gets to keep his job. And then the next year, they come back and everybody's pumped up. You're excited. And, okay, Zeke is suspended for six games. You should still be able to overcome that. Like, that shouldn't still keep you from winning. And yet they go nine and seven, and he goes, "Oh look, see, I went nine and seven. And the only reason they went nine and seven was because the Eagles didn't give a f the last game of the season, because they barely won that game, and that's the only thing that kept them from being eight and eight. So it's just he's an eight and eight coach. He's he's a very definition of mediocre. Yeah, and I mean it just it just shows like time after time after time. He comes up small in the biggest moments. Like yes. I, I don't understand how three straight years, last game of the season, win and you get the division, winning your end, and you lose every single game to every team in in the division. Yep. Like 
that's almost impossible to do. Yes. And then the the playoff game up, up against Aaron Rodgers, and it's just like it's clear that uh, he. And this is the other thing. I'm just like the only reason why Jerry holds on to him is because of his ego, and he's like, you know, I can bully this dude. Yes. Say whatever I want. Do whatever I want. Whereas if he had a real head coach. Like, you know, they wouldn't be standing for that. Because it's just like, he doesn't he doesn't call the offense. He doesn't run the defense. And so your whole thing is like game management, flow, whatever. So up against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, you have Zeke who's, you know, killing them. Yep. And and then you, you get conservative and, and want to throw the ball and stuff and spike the ball to where you, you know, you mismanage the clock which is your only job yes. because you're not calling plays, not running the defense, and you leave too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. And he did the same thing like the, the next season yep. when they played Green Bay in the regular yep. season. Where yep. he, left, he, he called stupid plays and scored too fast and yep. left too much time on the clock. I'm just like, when are you going to learn from your mistakes? Exactly. You know, when are you going to do something different? Exactly. Uh, like, when are you going to be aggressive on fourth down? I feel like there, I mean there was that one period where I, I said I think I think it was against the Texans or the Titans. Yeah, I can't a, remember where they didn't go for it. It was the Texans. Down and then, yep. Yeah, and then and Jerry came out and criticized him after that. So then he, you know, maybe for the next few games he, he kept going for it on fourth down. Yep. He kept going yeah. for it on fourth down, it and it's like, but. And that's the thing. It's like you have to actually literally call him out and say something, and then they'll do something about it. But then chances are they'll look at the situation and they'll overreact or they'll do like they'll do it at the wrong time. Like, like even like let's you know, last part someone the uh, Patriots game out. I kind of want to get on to something else, but so it's like mm-hmm. they get the ball back, they driving, they pick up, you know, they get uh, nine yards, so it's third and one. Now, it's still before the two-minute warning. They still got two timeouts, I think. Or in fact, I think they might have had three timeouts. Yeah, no, I think they, they had all three, yeah. That's right, they did. They had all three timeouts. Yeah, they did. They had all three timeouts. It's still the two-minute warning. It's third and one. Your running back has actually been successful. So, my thought is you could – simply run the ball and get the first down, but they decide to pass. You know, now the play worked. Zeke got the first down, but then it got called back because they called tripping on Travis Frederick. And the league came out after the game and admitted what everybody freaking known that the two tripping calls that they called in that game shouldn't have been called. And I almost feel like, what's what's the freaking point of that? Like, thanks a lot, idiots. Okay, yeah, we. I, I, I'm, it, yeah, and, and 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 it's like the the tripping calls or whatever for some people overshadowed Jason Garrett's poor decision. Yes, but those calls were ridiculous. Like I read an article, and it was going into the game. There had only been five tripping calls throughout the entire NFL. The previous two years, like 2018, 2017, there were 10 tripping calls each season. There's like 200-something games, I think like 256 games a season. So out of like over 500 games, 
there were 20 tripping calls in two years, mm-hmm. and you called two in one game? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Like, that, and, and it was such crap. It was like, it, it, it was it was so ridiculous. But my thought is, if you just handed the ball off, yeah. then yeah. you get the first down. And it, yeah. <clears throat> oh. And then the other thing, this is the other thing that irritated me that I found out when they was talking to um, Tim after the game. They asked him, they said to him, you know, Dak was struggling throwing the ball, and then it wasn't until, like, the end of the first quarter that he put the glove on and he started to he seemed to throw better. Did you talk to him beforehand? Like, did y'all prepare for the weather? That's the other thing that irks me and shows coaching. Because when they asked Dak, they had talked to Dak Prescott, Actually, I'm sorry. So first, Jason Garrett, he was saying, well, you know, Dak seemed to be, sometimes he was throwing good with the gloves, sometimes he wasn't. So we thought, you know, it would be better. He thought it would be better without it, this and that. And so, like, he was pretty much trying to make it seem like it was Dak's decision. And then when they talked to Dak, they said to him, hey, you know, when did you – uh, prepare for the the rain and stuff. Did you prepare during the week? Did you throw wet f- balls to see if you had a better grip? Like, how did you practice? And so Dak pretty much said he didn't start preparing for it until Sunday in the pregame. And he was like, they didn't try to prepare for wet footballs and stuff because he, he was like, they didn't know what the conditions was going to be. And you waste all this time preparing for that when it's don't even come into play. First off, <laughs> exactly. Like first off, that's the thing I was you like, didn't know what the weather was going. Exactly. I, I was listening to a podcast Sunday night. I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast Sunday night, a, a whole week before the Patriots yes. game. Bill Simmons it was doing an advertisement. He was like, "Hey Google, what's the weather in?" Uh, Boston uh, Sunday at one o'clock, and the Google assistant said like forty and 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 some kind of precipitation. You gotta be freaking exactly. talking about you ain't know what the weather was. When I be. I went out to dinner that week Wednesday with my manager who's from uh, Boston, and he we were talking about the game and stuff, and because they know I'm a Cowboys fan, and he was sitting there talking about it's gonna be rainy and cold and it's gonna be a wet one and i'm sitting there and this was wednesday like you freaking knew it like that's i'm like i'm, I'm mad it's at Dak. Job to know that. exactly like i'm mad at Dak, but i'm also again i'm more mad at the coaching staff because common sense would say hey uh it's supposed to be raining up there let's practice throwing with a wet football like <laughs> it's not that effing hard and I don't know if you saw it. I think it was after the game, or it might even have been at halftime. They was talking to Grant. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how uh, Bill Belichick, like they always practice outside. He was like, if it rains, snow, whatever, it's cold. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if Bill Belichick would even throw water on the ball mm-hmm. when it's cold just to get them ready. Like, yes. Like this is the stuff that a good coaching staff does. Exactly. And it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. But yes. for whatever reason, 
it, 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 I'm almost starting to think that, you know what, maybe Bill Belichick isn't that smart. No. Maybe it's just that the rest of the NFL coaches is are that stupid? Yeah. In traditions or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we, were playing, we were playing this game uh, here, and Chanel was like, would you rather? And it's like, would you rather be the smartest moron or the dumbest genius? <laughs> and so, like, most people say the dumbest genius, but it's just like, Bill Belichick might just be the smartest moron. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I, I mean, I just don't get it. Like exactly. Time after time, these NFL coaches up against Belichick, I guess they, they just you know get impressed by the rings or whatever, and end up just being stupid. And, like, I, and that's the funny thing. I guess it's almost like because the, the other funny thing, I feel like Belichick definitely intimidates people because it was almost to the point where. People were sitting there thinking that the Patriots purposely lost to the Ravens so that they wouldn't put out their actual game plan on how to defend Lamar Jackson just so they could get tape on him so when they meet him in the playoffs, he could really shut him down. And I'm sitting there like, what? Like, look, I understand the dude is a good coach. But I don't think he wants to give up the chance at home field advantage because if that means if the Ravens and the Patriots were to finish with the same record, that means the Ravens will get home field because they beat the Patriots. So it's like, yeah, I don't think Bill Belichick is like, oh, I'm not going to try to win this game because just in case we play the Ravens. Because, again, there's not even a guarantee you're going to play the Ravens. Like, you can play the Chiefs. You can play, like, it just, I, I was laughing at that. That's the first part of my conversation about the Cowboys with my brother, Corey. Um, I tied Thanksgiving to the Cowboys playing. And if you didn't know the history of it, uh, they actually weren't the first team to be playing on Thanksgiving. The first team was actually the Detroit Lions. And what it was was the uh, league was wanting other teams to play on Thanksgiving Day. And nobody wanted to do it like nobody wanted to play on thanksgiving they wanted to use that time to be off and and um it's a short week typically so they really didn't want it and <clears throat> the cowboys uh general manager at the time tech shram saw the the opportunity to really market the cowboys and make them a staple and cement them even further as america's team so he jumped at the opportunity to volunteer the team to play on every Thanksgiving and it, but it had to be permanent. It had, they had to play every Thanksgiving. And so they did. And so the lions and the Cowboys are grandfathered in now. And in fact, it's like the Cowboys have succeeded, like, you know, superseded the lions. In fact, like most people just think Cowboys when it comes to Thanksgiving, but now it's, it's even more different. Uh, it was like, a couple of years ago, I, I can't remember how long ago, I almost want to say within the last 10 years, they uh, now have a third uh, primetime game on Thanksgiving uh, to show showcase even more teams. And, and now it's been every Thursday, there's a Thursday night game. So it's like, it, it's, it's, it doesn't hold that same allure that it used to. Uh, especially because, like, it used to be a huge advantage for the Cowboys because it's like you got a mini buy in the middle of the season because you would play Thanksgiving and you have the next couple, like, you'd have an extra week and a half off. And um, now it's it's not as much as an advantage because typically what they do is they'll play Thursday night for Thanksgiving and then they play a week again the next Thursday. So, <clears throat> but it's, it's still fun. Like, one of my 
all-time favorite memories was, I, even though the Cowboys lost that game, I distinctly remember them playing the Dolphins, and uh, that was the Leon Lett game where this moron, after the Cowboys blocked the field goal, everybody else is yelling, get away from the ball. And then you, like, I implore you to look up the video because then you see one Cowboy person. In fact, like, when you looked up the video, the actual, like, TV coverage, they didn't even show him at the time running down there, hitting the ball, sliding feet first to try to get the ball. Um, they didn't even know, like, they, in fact, like, when you hear the call at the beginning of the podcast, the announcers were like, the Cowboys are going to win because it, it, it's such a surreal scene to see. Like, you see everybody going crazy on the sideline. You see Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman hugging each other because they're like, hey, we just won this game, this hard-fought game in the middle of November, and it was snowing, or the end of November, and it was snow in Dallas, and it was just absolutely crazy that this moron, everybody else is just running off the field celebrating and yelling, get away from the ball. And this idiot is the, like, you would almost think, like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be running. Like, if, if everybody else is leaving and you're the only one that's actually doing something, like, even the Dolphins players weren't doing anything because they knew they just lost the game. Something should have popped in your head that, Hey, I shouldn't try to go get this ball. And I remember being so freaking mad. And this was after the Super Bowl year where this dude was going to run in a touchdown to break the all-time Super Bowl scoring record. And he got it knocked out of his hands by Don Beebe. It's the same dude. And you're like, dude, how dumb can you freaking be? <laughs> like, it's so stupid. And um, great memory, a good memory was, I remember when Troy Aikman was hurt and <clears throat> Rodney Pete, who's the backup quarterback, was hurt. And Jason Garrett, who's the third-string quarterback, um, came in, and they played the Packers, and they were losing. Uh, in fact, in the second half, they were losing like 17-6. to And he just started throwing the ball up. And he's, he led the Cowboys for 36 second-half points, which is actually still standing as the record for the franchise, is the most points in the second half of a game. And they beat the Packers 42-31. to um, it was awesome. It was so awesome because I remember at that time, like the whole thing was Dallas had Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin, and the thought was just throw the ball up and they'll get it. And that's pretty much all he did. Like he just literally just threw the ball up because he only threw like 15 passes and they had like over 300 yards of, of passing. And it was it was awesome. I definitely remember that memory. Um, like. I give my dad huge props because he never, like, he was a Cowboys fan, and this was at a time when you only had one TV. And so we always, the only thing I cared about at Thanksgiving was eating and watching Smurfs and the Magical Flute because it came on every Thanksgiving. And that was, like, the one special that I always wanted to watch. And my dad would sacrifice being able to watch the Cowboys game. Like, he would watch some of it, or he would try to watch some of it, but depending on what the Cowboys were doing, then he would stop, and then he would let us watch Smurfs and the Magical Flute. And I will always give my dad props for that, because if it was me, yeah, y'all got wait. The Smurfs and the Magical Flute, I'm sorry. But luckily today, in this day and age, like, you could probably watch any special that you want uh, DVR or online or stream it or whatever, and everybody has a TV that you can watch, so nobody gets to miss out on anything. <clears throat> but anyway, that's why my dad is awesome. 
So, happy Thanksgiving again. Hopefully the Cowboys win. I've recorded this and posted it before the game. So, I don't know. Fingers crossed. I hope they win. If they don't, I'm just going to be even more freaking mad. But it can't be as bad. In fact, I'll save that for later. I'll tell you what was one of the worst Thanksgiving moments that I had, especially from a Cowboys game. And uh, I'll tell you guys later. So, now we're going to jump into the final part of my food conversation uh in fact we're going to be talking thanksgiving and thanksgiving foods this is with my brother Corey and my sister kenya this is the zero to 100 podcast all right so now since we're still talking food a little bit and that's pretty much what this episode is about i I haven't come up with my title for it yet but pretty much we got thanksgiving next week I want you guys to tell me what is your favorite food item for Thanksgiving? Like, what is something that you, like, if it's not on the table, you're sad or you disappointed, like, oh, I can't believe this. Well, can I go first? Sure. And people, I've said this, I've said this a lot, and maybe you just haven't paid attention to me, but I love stuffing. I love it. I don't care about the turkey. I don't care about um, pot roast or mashed potatoes. I love stuffing. I love stuffing so much that I would eat stovetop stuffing. It don't even have to be cornbread stuffing made fresh. What? I like stovetop stuffing. <laughs> I like stuffing. I I like stuffing too, but you wild if you talk about it. Got be it can be stovetop. I mean, I don't hate stovetop. It's it's okay. It's edible, but yeah. cornbread stuffing. It's got if it is not cornbread stuffing like how mom makes it. I don't even really care. I don't really. That's the yeah. that's the penultimate stuffing to me. But yeah, I, that but that's not mine. But all right, Corey, what's yours? It's a, it's it's funny. It's like I can't I can't narrow it down to one thing. Like I can't pick one thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like for mom. I guess my thing is like Thanksgiving. It has to have macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. green stuffing, and some kind of yam, like candy yams or even a sweet potato casserole. So I was like, I need those four things. Like that's Thanksgiving to me. Like it, it's funny because the meat, like turkey mm-hmm. or roast, whatever, the meat doesn't really matter to me. I have to have those four sides yeah. to be Thanksgiving. I agree. I mean, I'm I'm actually more locked in with what you're saying, Corey, because it it would it's really hard for me to pick one thing. Um, yeah. it's it's definitely the sides that make it for me, and it's like yeah, I have to have macaroni and cheese. I have to have my mom's stuffing because it's it has to be mommy stuffing. Like it has to be the way that she makes it. Yeah. And it's like because I've been other places and other people make stuffing, and I'll eat it. But I'm like, this is not the same, the same stuffing. Like, it's just like how it's like when mom makes macaroni and cheese. Like, if it's not baked macaroni and cheese, it's not macaroni and cheese. Like, it's just. But um, only and yeah, and I gotta have greens. But the two mainstays for sure is definitely stuffing and mac and cheese because those are the things that I typically eat most after Thanksgiving. Like, those are the leftovers that I eat the most. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you. You know what? Go ahead, Kenya. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I have been making practice pies. And, Billy, I know you don't like sweet potato pies. It's disgusting. But I had made, I had found these little tart shells, and I made some practice pies. 
and Steph took him to his job because I was like, ain't nobody eating all these pies. It was like eight or nine tiny little pies. Mm -hmm. People are going effing crazy over my pies. And they're like, I'll pay you for pie. So this weekend, I'm making like 10 pies at $12 a piece. This one girl said she was vegan. I was like, I don't know how to make no vegan pie. So I made a pie with no butter, no eggs. Them people even ate those pies and was like, I said, you're going to have to pay $15 for Uh Because I use like a nut blend flour and all that stuff costs more. But I was like, if y'all want to pay me $12 for a pie, I will do it. Okay, so Patty LaBelle. We potato pies. Yeah. Those, her Pat LaBelle pies are not good to me. Oh, sorry, I've never had them because I hate sweet potato. I've never had it because I hate sweet potato pie. And no, I don't like pumpkin pie. You know, Mom made last week, she made sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie. And I was like, ew, why? Told me and, and I'm the pumpkin pie was good. I don't like gross. It's almost tasted, because I, I imagine she used the same spices that she does with her sweet potato. So it was, uh, I had a piece of it. It was good. Ugh, barf. Yeah, I don't like pumpkin pie. It's, I mean. It's it, too ridiculous because you don't eat any kind of sweet potatoes. Because it's gross. That's just, just wrong. Sweet potatoes are gross. <laughs> the only, the only <laughs> way I will eat sweet potatoes is if it's in a fry form. I'll eat sweet potato fries. Yeah, that's the worst kind of sweet potato. No, that's yeah. good. I will eat that. Or I'll eat it if it's in cake. Like, if it's sweet potato cake, I'll eat it. But I can't... Ugh. So, for you, it's the consistency of the pie. You don't like the pie. No, it's gross. It's the consistency. It's the, I mean, no, it's... it's gross. Cherry pie. You're, see, now you're yeah, tripping. Now you're tripping. Because cherry pie is the best. <laughs> fruit pies are the bomb. It's like pies... All fruit pies except cherry and lemon is good. Man, you are lemon pie. What lemon pie is the first off? There's nothing, man. Tasty cake lemon pies is the bomb, and lemon pie is delicious. You are crazy. You are crazy. Yes, because they're the bomb. Because Nikki has sense. You guys are crazy. Sweet potato pie is disgusting. And for everybody that be like, what do you like, pumpkin pie? No, it's just as disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> Give me some cherry pie, some peach cobbler, cherry some apple. Cherry pie, cherries in it is all waxy and plasticky. That de- it depends on what where you get it from. Because whatever mom makes cherry cobbler and cherry pie, that canned cherry is delicious. Delicious. So sweet. Yeah, thank you. Man. I'll take the crab juice. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are crazy. You don't know good eating. Um... So let me ask you this, because I had this discussion with people when I was at work because I made some banging macaroni and cheese that people was raving about because my macaroni and cheese is the bomb. But macaroni and cheese, is it an entree or a side? It's a side. I'm going to say that for African-Americans, it's a side. It is a side, Kenya. Those other people. There are people that are not brown that believe that macaroni and cheese is an entree. Macaroni and cheese is a side. It's ridiculous. Macaroni and cheese is a side. It's not an entree. It's a side. You can eat it with a side of chicken. You eat it with a side of 
of of beef or what I don't care what your main thing is. It, whatever it is, macaroni and cheese is a side. It's a side. Okay. I think that's. A, I think it's cultural. No, I'm just. <laughs> Well, you may be right, but those people who don't think it's a side, they're just wrong. Whatever culture it okay. is. <laughs> um. Oh. Okay. So I, before I let you go, uh, from the Thanksgiving discussion, I want to say, uh, what's a Thanksgiving food that you don't like and you're upset when you see it and you're like, oh, I don't. Why is this on the table? Or why you have it? Or is it a Thanksgiving food that you're sick of that you might have used to like? Turkey. Really? <laughs> I don't hate turkey, but I just think it stay around too long and it just get dried out. And I just, I could take it or leave it. You it, know, Ricky said he don't want turkey for Thanksgiving. He'd rather have chicken wings. You know what? It's funny. There's a lot of people that feel that way, and I was. Thing about making chicken wings um, this Thanksgiving because like I'm you know I'm gonna be at Shalee's mom's house and she was she's vegan so but she always likes to prepare meat for me and a couple other people that still eat meat and she was like oh we gotta get a turkey for Billy and I was like nah you don't have to I was like I'll just bring some chicken wings so I, I was thinking about doing yeah, that I don't say I don't I guess like with mom mom never makes anything that's bad so mm-hmm. there isn't really anything. Where I'm just like, uh, I don't want that. But yeah, the turkey could definitely go. Like, and, um, I, don't like I, I usually always make, um, the same, I always grill some salmon for Thanksgiving. Oh. So that's always good. I thought about that. Um, I tell you, for me, what needs to go, and I wish people would stop making it, is sweet potato casserole. Candy yams, um, sweet potato pie, all of it. Throw it in the garbage, flush it down the toilet. It's disgusting. It's gross. You're wrong. I'm not. And I I always see it because it's just gross. Candy yams are gross. They're disgusting. They're delicious. They're not. Yeah. They're gross. Oh, one of the other things I can't go without is cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce, especially cranberry sauce out of the can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hating on you on that because I like it too. Nope, it's delicious. I like canned cranberry sauce. I agree with you. Yeah, it's good. All right, well, I appreciate you guys joining me and talking about these different food items. And I, again, uh, hope you have a great Thanksgiving if I don't talk to you again before then. I, actually, I already know I'm going to talk to you before then. But anyway, I, this is podcast. I feel really sad that it seems like every year we've been in pieces in different places at Thanksgiving. It's like we're never all together anymore. And Ricky called me the other day and told me they're making him work on Thanksgiving. So now oh. he's not going to be with oh. anything. Oh, that sucks. He's just going to be down there by yeah. himself. Oh, that sucks. So, yeah, I figured he yeah. would at least come up because he's not that far from you now, but, well... Yeah, he, he had intended to come to my place for Thanksgiving. Yeah. But, um, they making him work. Well, we have... Well, does he have the day after all for... I don't know. I didn't ask him. Well, we have Christmas to look forward to, and that's why I always figure, like, I've, I'm okay 
like uh, I mean I I I do miss hanging with you guys at Thanksgiving, but it's I mean it's like I make that sacrifice for to get Christmas. Like I give Shalee Thanksgiving, and she always gives me Christmas sound. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for joining me, and I am sure to have you on again. Um, thanks for joining me on the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Once again, I want to thank my sister Kenya, my brother Corey, for joining me, uh, especially to talk um, food stuff, food items, and Thanksgiving. Uh, I do miss them. I did get to talk to them beforehand and wish them a happy Thanksgiving. And again, I really look forward to Christmas. Like, Christmas is always huge with my family, especially on my dad's side of the family, anyway. Like, we all get together. we, you know, it, it started where it was having dinner at the first generation's homes, like it rotated. And then the family kept getting so big that we had to branch off and we, we started uh, having the dinner at a community center in Salem, New Jersey. And then it got even more big, like, or too big for that. And so then we started renting out a, a banquet hall in a hotel room. And this year, because the hosting duties rotate amongst the siblings and excuse me this year it fell to the families or the siblings that are in chicago and usually they come down um for every christmas and because of health and because of age and everything they haven't been able to really travel as much as they used to and so because it was their turn to host it this year everybody decided to go up to chicago for christmas this year so i'm we're, I'm really excited about that. I remember we did it years ago. I think the last time we ever did that was I was, I think I was 19. It was 19 or 20. Um, <clears throat> and so it was, it, I remember at the time it was cool, but we didn't like it as much. Even the people in Chicago didn't like it as much. Or like, oh, let's not do this again. But this time, everybody, I think because we're older and it's something so different, we're more excited about it. And so we're all looking forward to it. Um, so I can't wait for that, but I really love my family and Thanksgiving is always been my second favorite holiday. And, um, it's always been fun just being with family and and participating. And I contributed this year with the last couple of years, especially with going to my, my mother-in-laws and uh, I love my mother-in-law and, um, their family and spending time with them. I've been contributing and, like this year, um, I made, well, the last few years I've been making mac and cheese and I've really perfected my recipe for it. So I'm, I'm happy about it, but I did macaroni and cheese this year. I did, um, my version of vegetable medley, which is like what my mom usually makes, but I've made my own version of it this year. And then I made, uh, rice and peas and I made a vegan bread pudding because my mother-in-law is vegan and I I think I nailed it. And in fact, I know I nailed it because I'm a chef. Like my wife laughs at me because I always say that. But the reality is I am. I'm a chef. I'm a beast. So this last part is the uh, rest of the conversation I had with my brother about the Cowboys. And then I will be back to close out the episode and also share one of my most uh, awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) Thanksgiving memories. Um, so this is the zero to 100 podcast let's go but uh let me all right so the other thing is i wasn't i'm 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 almost i hate to say this 
But Jerry Jones, like during the week, he was people was giving him a chance to say, "Hey, do you want to walk back some of your harsh criticisms or comments that you said after the game?" And he was like, he pretty much doubled down. He was like, "No, like he's like, I want the best." Um, out of my team, and I want the best for my out of my coaches and, and stuff like that. Like he pretty much, he said, I stand by my comments. I feel the same way I felt on Sunday, and um, so my thing is, do you think if the Cowboys were to actually lose to another team with a winning record, which is Buffalo because they're eight and three, if they actually lose tomorrow, do you think that Jason Garrett would get fired? No. Because I think um, I, I didn't see the comments or hear the comments, but I got a, a alert where it was like Jerry said he wouldn't fire Jason Garrett in season. Mm-hmm. And so my my thought is is like Jerry is 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 going to give Jason every opportunity to keep his job, and I fear that if they win the division and just make the playoffs, he's he's going to bring them back because it's you know. Um, because it is it's really clear at this point that like yeah, Jerry can say he wants to win the Super Bowl and all of that, but he doesn't really want to do what's necessary to win the Super Bowl. Because mm-hmm. what's necessary for him to win the Super Bowl is to actually get a strong head coach who knows football, yeah. and for him to fall back. Like I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit. It seems like he's falling back somewhat on the, the uh, player choices because, mm-hmm. like, you know, if it had been up to him, he would have drafted Johnny Manziel instead of Zach Martin. Mm-hmm. But so the next thing that he needs to do is fall back on his head coach because it's clear that Jason Garrett ain't got it. And yes. maybe in, in his next step, you know, in his next coaching job, because Bill Belichick failed in Cleveland, you know, maybe Jason Garrett in a different situation away from Jerry Jones could be a, a good head coach or whatever. I doubt it, but it, it's clear that this is not working. This is not, like, you have enough talent to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's just, like, you have to coach that talent up, and it's clear that, that Jason can't. So I really think, like, I mean, he, he's shown, I guess, in these 20-something or whatever many seasons since he got rid of Jerry uh, Jimmy Johnson that he's, he's satisfied being in control of, you know, a mediocre, popular mm-hmm. team than actually, like, having to share some credit or, or fall back from, you know, a, a Super Bowl-winning team. Mm-hmm. But he would much rather, uh, you know, be the, the big man on campus, uh, like, big fish in a small pond, relatively speaking, as far as, like, winners. Mm-hmm. So it's like Dallas, they, they haven't been, like, a, a winning team, really, since the, the 90s. Like they they have a a handful of playoff wins in twenty some years, haven't gone past the divisional round in all that time, and, and Jerry's just fine with that because he's in control. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, I also I agree. I don't think he's gonna get fired. I I had a little bit of hope because I was like, well, well if they get embarrassed. I, you know, it's like because coming off of Thanksgiving, that's sort of like a mini buy. You could quickly throw somebody else in there or be the next coach because like Chris Richard or whatever see what he got um I don't know I, I don't think he's gonna get fired uh if they lose to Buffalo I um yeah. I do think if they don't get to the NFC championship game in the playoffs I do think he's gonna get fired 
I just, you know, because they brought that up down there in Dallas too because it was like, it's almost like Jerry Jones over course cre- uh, corrected because he always stated how he felt like he he uh, he fired Chan Gailey too early. Like he didn't give Chan Gailey a proper amount of time. And I feel like he over course corre- corrected because Jason Garrett was so young and because he really wanted him to succeed and he wanted to have that. He always said he wanted to have the next Landry, like a coach that would be there forever, like Belichick. And But the problem is, is that, and you know, it's like because he was like, he didn't want to fire him and then he goes to another team and then he's really great. Like Sean Payton, like they had Sean Payton on the staff and then he left and, you know, see what he didn't turn New Orleans into or Mike Zimmer. But here's the thing. He's had 10 years. <laughs> like, like, he's had every opportunity to show that he's gotten better and they haven't taken a step forward. So, I'm like, what else do you need to see? And so I do think he's going to get fired. They they was uh, actually discussing down there. They was putting out the odds on um, the next coach of the Cowboys who could be. So number one, the, the odds on favorite is uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I guess it's um, I wonder about him coming to the NFL because it's like it's one thing to be a great college coach, but he does seem strong enough personality-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, but uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at that. I'd be willing to give it a yeah. Like I I wouldn't be mad at that. So yeah, first um, odds on favor was Urban Meyer. Second in uh, in second place, and I I forgot about it earlier when I was talking to somebody, but I remembered. Second is Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator from the Patriots. I actually would be okay with that. I would not be upset with that. I would be very happy with with that. Um, third place was Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma. And according to the people down there, Jerry Jones really likes Lincoln Riley. He really likes uh, what he's done at Oklahoma. I, I'm sort of like I guess I kind of like I'm I'm. I'll be honest. Anybody other than Jason Garrett, I'm gonna be happy. That's just the reality of it. I don't I don't care. Um, it's interesting to me though how people are keep hiring all these young coaches or new coaches, people that don't have a lot of NFL coaching experience, like. Cliff Kingsbury and um, like you know it's almost a Sean McVay effect like everybody wants to get a young coach they want to get a young guy in there but when you look at Belichick he he spent 16 years as an assistant before he became an NFL head coach and it's like and then he went back to being an assistant when he failed because you know the Browns gave up on him and then you, he you know went back to be an assistant, and then he became a head coach again at the Patriots to see what happened. And, like, Mike Tomlin had eight years of assistant coach experience. Tony Dungy had a long tenure of assistant coach. John Harbaugh had 10 years of um, assistant coach. Andy Reid had, like, 17 years before he became a head coach. So I almost feel like I'm okay. Yeah, I was, like, in, in that vein, I was just thinking, like, I would like Greg Roman, like what he's done 
offensively throughout his 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 history, like even before Baltimore. Um, I think he was the, the coordinator of for, uh, for the 49ers when mm-hmm. Kaepernick was good. Yeah. Like, that's somebody who, if he got with Dak, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, along those lines. Like, Josh McDaniels, I don't think there's any way that he's leaving New England. I don't think like, so either. I think, yeah. He had a job with the Colts, but he came back to New England because I think he knows that whenever Belichick retires, that the job is his. So uh, yeah. I don't see why he would leave. I I, I think so, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it was um, Urban Meyer, Josh Daniel, third place was uh, Lincoln Riley, fourth was um, Ken Norton, the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, and Chris Richard had the same odds. Um, I like Chris Richard. I know the defense has faltered a little bit at times this season, but they had a really good game on Sunday. I I do think the defenses can be better. Um, I like Chris Richard. I just think one. I think he's he he's passionate and he seems like he really cares, and I think he's good at his job. Um, <clears throat> then after Chris Richard, I think it was like uh, Bob Stoops. And um, the 49ers defensive coordinator, which I kind of, you know, I don't know about that. I don't really feel that. But anyway, so do you think the Cowboys are going to win tomorrow? They should because Buffalo, you know, they have a good record, but, Mm -hmm. you know, their defense, it's all based on their defense and, I feel like uh, if if you have a you know good running game or whatever that, that you should be able to beat them. So like I, I expect them to win. Like, yeah. Well. So yeah, I, I think they will win. I think they're gonna win tomorrow too. Um, I, because yeah, I, I think Buffalo has a good defense, but I don't, I don't really buy their offense, and I just think that the Cowboys. I. I <laughs> It's like I said before, when everybody seems to jump ship on them, that's when they play their best. Um, I, yeah. you know, I think the Cowboys are gonna win the division. Um, I think they're gonna get in the playoffs. They might even win their first playoff game. Depend. Well, actually, I'm actually I'm not even sold on that. I don't know if they're gonna win their first playoff game, depending on who they have to play, because it it could be either Seattle or or Minnesota or uh, the 49ers. It's like. So, yeah, I, I can't even say that. But I do think Jason Garrett's going to get fired. I do think this is the last time we have to deal with Jason Garrett, and I'll be happy. So, I'll, I'll be, I've will be i been saying that. Yeah. I'll be happy about that. But happy Thanksgiving, Corey. Thanks for, for joining me. It's always fun talking Cowboys. It's always fun talking to you, period. Yep. So, yep. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Yep. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. That's it for this Thanksgiving Day episode of the Zero to 100 podcast. Excuse me. The bread pudding is about to be done in the oven. I'm going to load up my car, head over to my mother-in-law's house, and enjoy fellowshipping with 
uh, the family and eating some good food. So let me get to, uh, I had a ton of great memories for Thanksgiving, but I will share because I've been teasing it, my most awkward and uncomfortable Thanksgiving memory. And of course it's football related, it's tied to the Cowboys. So <clears throat> the Cowboys were playing the, um, the Eagles on Thanksgiving. And in fact, I think it was like probably the last time uh, Tony Romo played. No, it wasn't the last time Tony Romo played for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving um, because it, I think the last time he played on Thanksgiving for the Cowboys was when he broke his collarbone versus the uh, Panthers, which was also a horrible Thanksgiving because they got killed by the Panthers and Romo broke his collarbone and was done for the rest of the year. But... <clears throat> This memory, I remember the Cowboys were playing the Eagles. The Eagles had Mark Sanchez as the quarterback. The Cowboys were rolling. Um, I remember it was the Sunday night game. They had played the Giants, and you know everybody went nuts because of the Beckham catch or whatever. But the Cowboys won. But they had to play Sunday night in New York, and then they had to fly back to Dallas. They didn't get back to like uh, Monday, I think like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, or something real early. Point is, it was early in the morning. It was a really short week. And they got killed by the Eagles. It was awful. I was so freaking upset. I was so freaking mad. And I remember my <laughs> my, my wife's uncle, he was like talking really bad about Romo. Like he was trashing Romo. He was like, of course the Cowboys can win because Romo's garbage. And I remember I was so freaking mad. Like I started arguing with him. Very, like it wasn't like a minor argument. It was like very loud passionate i was mad like i was genuinely mad it wasn't like oh he's just joking no i was really i was really mad i was pissed off <laughs> and i remember something like i didn't full-on rant snap but i remember snapping like ranting and then i left and i went to my wife's room at the time because she was at her mom's house and i went to her room and i just stayed in there until the game was over and i really didn't even want to talk to anybody or say anything and i don't think i came out of there until everybody pretty much left and i remember i was talking to my wife and i was like i'm sorry i apologize like she wasn't my wife at the time but i felt really bad <laughs> it was like but it was really awkward and uncomfortable the rest of the night and her at the time i remember she tried to tell me that uh everybody kind of downplayed it nobody really paid attention to it or cared about it or noticed and it wasn't until recently where she said oh yeah no they thought you were crazy they thought you were effing like you know ridiculously crazy uh they're like oh he's really passionate and so they, they, they were just like she finally told me what they really said and what they thought at that time <coughs> excuse me and i remember like I, I think i apologized to her uncle the next time i saw him and he, he didn't care her uncle is really cool and um he just laughed it off or whatever but <coughs> excuse me i'm so sorry i'm just getting over a cold and so that was definitely like one of my not fond memories of thanksgiving but hopefully the cowboys will prevail and they'll come out on top this thanksgiving and i'll i won't have a reason to be upset or, or be mad or anything like that <coughs> excuse me i am so sorry so i'm starting to really starting to feel the effects even though I'm over the cold, but I'm still feeling the lingering effects of it. So I'm just going to stop. This has been really fun. This has been great. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. What are some of your can't go without Thanksgiving foods? Have you tried the um, plant-based meats or anything like that? Uh, you know, What do you think of Popeye's chicken sandwich? 
anything, let me know what you think of the Zero to 100 podcast. Just email the show at zero to 100 pod at gmail.com. That's the number zero, T-O, the number 100, P-O-D at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at WCWPoet. Uh, I've had people reaching out to me, giving me more ideas for episodes. Uh, Hopefully, the next episode will be out uh, later this week. If not, it'll be a little bit after that, but I'm going to be trying to try to be more consistent. Thank you for being patient with me Uh, to close out the episode. um, Like I said, Thanksgiving, there's all kinds of traditions that I've had. Uh, There's specials. One of my favorite Thanksgiving specials was actually Charlie Brown's um, Thanksgiving. And I decided to uh, close out the episode with the funny clip from the beginning of that episode where Lucy uh, pulls away football. <clears throat> which is also how I feel like what Jerry Jones and the Cowboys do to me and I'm not falling for it anymore. That's why I said this year I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up too bad, but I feel like I've seen this story. I know how it's going to end, but the only bright spot I see is I do see light at the end of the tunnel and I do think Jason Garrett is going to get fired, but hopefully the Cowboys take care of business and I'm happy today. Hope you guys enjoy the time with your family. Thank you for listening to the Zero to 100 podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Charlie Brown, a Charlie Brown. I can't believe it. She must think I'm the most stupid person alive. Come on, Charlie Brown. I'll hold the ball and you kick it. Hold it? Ha! You'll pull it away and I'll land flat on my back and kill myself. But Charlie Brown, it's Thanksgiving. What's that got to do with anything? Well, one of the greatest traditions we have is the Thanksgiving Day football game. And the biggest, most important tradition of all is the kicking off of the football. Is that right? Absolutely. Come on, Charlie Brown. It's a big honor for you. Well, if it's that important, a person should never turn down a big honor. Maybe I should do it. Besides, she wouldn't try to trick me on a traditional holiday. It's time I'm gonna kick that football clear to the moon! Isn't it peculiar, Charlie Brown, how some traditions just slowly fade away?